Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. We're all naked under our clothes. It's when the clothes come off that things could get complicated. Today you'll hear my first visit to a nudist resort. And now I'm naked. Okay. And I'll go skinny dipping with four members of one family who've owned a home on that resort for 17 years. I never had an intention of going to a nudist camp, not because I thought it was something negative, but it was because I never thought about it. And if you're famous for taking photos of thousands of people naked together in public places, how do you keep that tradition going during quarantine? It's just an amazing thing to get people together, communicating on this level, on this nude level, during these times of isolation. Spencer Tunick tells me about his first worldwide project. I'm Kyone Wolf. It's a brand nude day here on Audacious, right after the nude news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. In 2012, I did something that I'd never done before. I took off all my clothes and spent some time at a nudist resort in Connecticut, all in the name of radio. I produced this audio postcard for Connecticut Public Radio's The Colin McEnroe Show at Solaire Family Nudist Resort in Woodstock. I am parked on the side of the road before getting to Solaire Family Nudist Resort in Woodstock, Connecticut, and I'm feeling excited, a little anxious, so uh, let's just get on with this. I want to get there. Here we go. And this big gate is opening after I ring the doorbell. It says, welcome back for a nude year at Solaire. They crossed out the new and put nude. That's my kind of humor. Paul? Hi, hi. I figured I'd give it a shock right nice from the start. Ride. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Good to meet you too. I want to bring back my four wheel and I got a golf cart. I can take you around on the golf cart. And then That's beautiful. you can decide at what point you want to disrobe, if you want to disrobe at all. Yes, I do. Okay. I do. I definitely do. Okay. Did you bring a, do you have a sarong or something that you want to throw on to start with? Or are you just ready to go full boat? Let's just do it. All right. Let's go down my site. Then you can disrobe down there. Perfect. All right. So you'll follow me down. Now I got to ask. In terms of etiquette, like right now, I'm making sure that I'm staring at your face. You can look anywhere you want. We're all nude. You're going to look at people. That's the point, it's, I guess. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It doesn't make a difference. But I'm like, looking at your you eyes. Do, you do what you want. Until you feel comfortable, <laughs> you look at my eyes. All right, all right. All right. That sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Okay. How long did it take you to get yourself psyched up to do this? Here's my thought. I should be as nervous to come here as I would to go to the OBGYN. It's nothing they haven't seen. It's there nothing you, you haven't seen. So mentally, you know, no problem. But there's a part of my brain that's like, never spend, done this before. If you spend 15 minutes here in clothes, you'd feel uncomfortable. How, how do I take? You can, how do I take my clothes off? I, I I think you're good at that. You can go inside my trailer, take yeah. your clothes off the side. How's that? No, Did you bring right a towel there. or? No, I don't know. Right, I'll anything. give you a towel. Thank you. That's part of the etiquette. You need to sit on a towel. That makes sense. Okay. All right. We only have two spots in camp that you are absolutely required to be nude. That's on the beach and at the pool. Every place else is clothing optional. We prefer to everybody to be nude all the time, but it's your prerogative. Fair. Yeah. Okay. So sit on a towel. Sit on Number a towel. Number one rule. Number one. Number two rule, sit on a towel. There you go. 
All right. All right. So just head on in there and you go ahead in there and get the, and take your time. I'll wait out here for you. Thanks All a right. lot. And now I'm naked. Okay. I feel oddly fine. Okay. You ready? Huh. So I feel awfully white right now. Well, yeah, you you're next to you. Yeah, you're super tan. Here we are riding in your golf cart, and there's a nice breeze, and I'm feeling breezes in places that I had never felt breezes before. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. It's different, right? It's different. I like it. I like it. Well, that's a good thing. I can see how you get used to this. I have to. I have to congratulate you on how easy it was for you to disrobe. I've never heard those words before in my life. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's been what five minutes. I feel great. It's like instantly awesome. And of course, it would be different if I were at a grocery store in Manhattan. You know what I mean? But being here and knowing that hey, we're all on the same level. That is really yeah. cool, and it, yeah. you feel it right away. Yeah. yeah. I like it. And that's the thing. There's no status here. Everybody's on the same playing field. We could. This guy could be picking up trash, and this guy could be a doctor. We don't know. It's a people with awesome tattoos are pretty. <laughs> you know. we, we do have. We, have, we do have something there to offer. In that. <laughs> there's there's a couple of people here that's got some pretty nice tattoos. Uh, I, well, I'm sure I would see. Yeah. I told my mom about this, and she her pitch went up about three octaves. But she yeah. said, "Well, somebody from the station is going to go with you, right?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not! Are you kidding me?" <laughs> coming from the radio station with me here and that's the that's, that's the stigma single women can't come here by themselves because it's not pro appropriate and that's so far from the truth that's true if there's anywhere on the planet that i could take all my clothes off and not in my own home that's safe it would be here exactly and i have to just make a comment right now my upper body is in shadow my butt is in the sun feels great it does. Feels like I've never had my butt in the sun. This is the first time she's ever taken her clothes off. The only way to oh. travel. <laughs> your butt in the sun or naked all together? Naked all together. Right now, having my butt in the sun is really ridiculously pleasing. It's really nice. Do I have to put my clothes back on? I have to put my, like I have to. Yeah, I have to. Well, you can drive home, you can drive home nude if you want. But officer, I, you know, I just came from Solaire. And what do I just, you think a cop's going to say if he stops a woman and she's driving there nude? He's just gonna look at you, he's gonna go, just go home, go ahead, go. <laughs> and I can experience the breeze. <laughs> I'm gonna think about that. You already experienced the breeze. Yeah, but it's funny, as I was putting my clothes back on, I was thinking, you know, in any other circumstance, I'd be afraid someone would walk in on me. Nah. I did the gentlemanly thing and stayed outside. Well, yeah, and now here I am standing on your front porch in my bra, <laughs> because... It's hot. Because it's hot, and I didn't, I didn't have to put anything else on. Because <laughs> I'm gonna keep my shirt off. Screw that! I'm going to my car. I'm gonna keep my bra on. People think it's a bathing suit top. There you go. They don't know the difference. There you go. Thanks again. All I can't right. thank you enough. You. All right, take care. You too. I have a lot of absorbing to do. <laughs> it's kind of messing with my head a little bit, in a good way. I felt instantly leveled with everybody there. Paul at one point told me. You know, of all the people you talked to today, two of them are multimillionaires. But, you know, I didn't have time to notice their cufflinks or their designer tie so I could straighten up my posture. I can understand how you could be regularly around people completely naked and just see each other for who you are. In a way, you want to be like, 
no big deal. And in a way, it's a really big deal. I have a lot to think about. And I'm so driving home in my bra. That was an audio postcard I made for Connecticut Public Radio's The Colin McEnroe Show back in 2012. This hour, nudism, naturism. There's a couple ways to say it, but however you say it, it's all about having as few barriers between your body and nature as possible. Safely, of course. As you heard, the human body and how we view it is loaded with societal and psychological implications. Later in the show, you're going to meet Spencer Tunick, a photographer who's worked around the world creating striking large-scale group portraits of as many as 18,000 people, all in the nude. But first, let's go back to Solaire Family Nudist Resort, located on 360 secluded acres in Woodstock, Connecticut. It's been continuously owned and run by its members since 1934. Rana Crozy has been a resident there for 17 years. She invited me into her home back in 2017. I asked her to make sure I was using the right words for what we're talking about. There are two words that are used, naturist and nudist. There are supposedly some differences. They're usually used interchangeably. Some people find the term naturist a little softer, if you will. Mm. I think if you go back to the original movements of naturism they were or nudism they were very much involved with aspects of health they believed that having the sun and the wind and the water on your on your nude body was very healthy and also living in a healthy fashion as time has gone on however we have discovered that having the sun on your body all the time isn't as healthy as it should be as far as how i got to naturism or nudism I believe I was born that way. I mean, I was born that you way. You were literally born nude. I was born nude. I think as a nurse, I have a healthier attitude about the body. It bothers me greatly that we have created body shame, weight bias. We have created these, these standards of beauty that make many, many people feel they don't measure up. We have research that shows now that children, girls, as young as five, are already unhappy with parts of their body. So the bottom line is, this is a way to feel free. This is a way to accept who you are for what you are. The vast majority of us do not look like, you know, these depictions that are probably um, fixed up with Photoshop. It's to get back to being nature, natural, being who you are, feeling proud of who you are, and realizing, as we say here, it's not about what you look like, it's about who you are. So from the time I was quite young, I think I always went topless in the places where they allowed it to be. Back in, uh, I think, 1989, I had a relationship with a very nice man who unfortunately has passed on, but he had a place at uh, Dyer Woods, which is in Foster, Rhode Island. And so that was where I had my very first real nudist experience. And so we went down to the water. They had a little, like a little pond. And it was still a tad cool, but I love swimming. And 
many, many of the folks were there because they were cleaning up their cabins and their RVs, and I decided I was going to go into the water. So I took off the shirt, I dove into the water as the only person with a whole line of people watching, and when I came out, they applauded, and I just put my arms up for victory, and it was never, ever an issue. Many years after that, I met my husband, and fortunately, fortunately, I said to him as we were getting serious, you know, I am a nudist, and he said to me, it would not be a problem. So I thought, okay, he's a keeper. In fact, he has become the biggest advocate for nudism, for the place and the way that we live, uh, the safety for children. He's made incredible friends here. And he's the first one out the door. He involves himself in every sport imaginable. He is in very good shape, doesn't take a pill. And I do think there's something about this lifestyle. It's relaxing. We come through the gate. I swear my blood pressure goes down. When some people think about nudism, it's not uncommon for them to think immediately about sex Mm -hmm. and the um, sexification of the body. How would you help people who aren't familiar with this lifestyle to stop jumping to the idea of the naked body being a sexual thing? How do you address that? This is a common question. First of all, there is nothing sexual about sweeping your floor or your driveway (laughs) or there's nothing sexual about that. It is social nudity. It is body acceptance. And my regret is that I did not raise my child early enough for him to be comfortable and aware of what it's about. I've often said trying to explain it sometimes is like trying to describe a flavor. Unless you're willing to try it, it's really hard to get the essence. But the bottom line is this is about freedom and health and respecting one another. I can't describe the kind of relationships when you don't have barriers with clothing, when you are whoever you are. Number one, you generally don't know if someone is a bank president or someone is a tailor, for example, because you've removed some of those symbols that people use to maintain status. The other piece is that you do get to meet people of all walks of life and you realize that you have something in common. So. I am heck-bent on explaining to the world who we are and who we are not. I am on the board of trustees for the American Association for Nude Recreation, or ANR, as we call it, A-A-N-R. I am a loud and proud nudist. I sign everything with my full credentials. I have my doctoral degree, and I want people to know that those who make up at least the community I live in, are very upstanding citizens. They're good human beings. We do good things. We do walks for cancer. We do cleanups. We do a lot of very good things. We are good neighbors. We are good citizens. And when you raise children as good citizens, they become good citizens as they get older. What's an ideal world like to you? Is everybody nude in an ideal world, or is there a place for non-nudity? Um, I'm chuckling because, as someone said to me many years ago, we may be nudists, but we are not idiots. When it is cold, (laughs) when you are burning, then you cover up, you put on your clothing. Someone also said to me, I am too modest to do that. 
and I corrected her and I said, modesty really means appropriateness. I am appropriate in whatever setting I find myself. If I can be nude because this is the appropriate setting, that's what I do. If I am teaching a class, then I am fully dressed. It's really common sense. Mm. What are some laws that I should know about? Like if I wanted to ride my car home naked, could I? Is it different for men and women legally, do you know? I think there are laws about being out where the public can observe you. Mm. This is why we talk about, through Anna, being nude in appropriate places. I would not go home nude because if I had an accident, (laughs) I would not want to be found that way. If I were living in a whole community, I I have never been there, but in France there is Cap d'Agde, and it's an entire city where everyone is nude for everything. For the, They go to the movies and they go to the markets. And um, I've only read about it. I've never been there. But in that case, yes, you could drive your car out into the city because that's what it's about. Are you optimistic about the future of nudism? I am. I think that we've done a pretty good job. And we are the individual clubs, and there are 226 nudist clubs, I believe, that are Anner clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I must say, in order to be affiliated with Anner, again, the American Association for Nude Recreation, you need to commit to a very stringent code of behavior, mm-hmm. that it is not for people whose goals are different than healthy nude recreation. Unfortunately, there are places that are touting themselves as nudist resorts, but they are catering to a different kind of clientele, and this is not what we are interested in. How do you vet people at Solaire? That's also a great question. We believe that the people who come here should be the kind of people we would like to have as our neighbors. We have a stringent interview process with folks that are interested in associate, being an associate or a member talking with our different membership people. We call them the yellow hats. They are people on the membership committee who do the tours and who do the interviews. It becomes clear after several interviews whether people are truly here for the right idea. But we are protective, again, because we are family. We do have children, and we want to be absolutely certain that these are good people. We also do a criminal offense, a quarry check, and a sorry check for sexual offenders all in in the name of safety. At most, how many people are are living on Solaire? I think 400 people, 200 couples, families, something in that that range. Um, It fluctuates from year to year, but we have been extremely fortunate in that the last couple of years we are meeting a very dear goal to us, and that is younger families are coming here and making a commitment to stay here. And you go up to our pool now and you see lots of kids and they one little baby has the most infectious laugh and she was here yesterday I don't know if she's here today but this is what we want to see we want to see our kids we want to see them down playing with their on the beach with their their shovels and I don't mean to get off track but we have uh, under 400 acres we have a lot of hiking trails here it's really beautiful and I don't know if you had seen the waterfall that we had the last time you were here it's beautiful we can ride down there and take a look at that too and we have a memorial garden there and we have had services for some of our members who have passed on Um, it is a very close and loving community it's it's just so hard to explain to the outside world it truly is 
but this is a comfortable place. We have uh, dances and dinners and all kinds of sports. We've got water volleyball and sand volleyball and bocce and pickleball. Definitely pickleball. Pickleball has taken over for tennis. Nudists love pickleball. That's what I learned last time. They do, and I hate to say it, but it may be because some of us are older and it's slightly less um, draining than than tennis. My husband can still play tennis, but he's become an incredible pickleball player. So it's just the most welcoming, friendly place. This is something that pretty much everybody says, and I think if you talk to anybody, you would hear almost the same kind of thing because... It's, it's all about community. It's all about family. That was Ronna Crozy, a longtime Solaire resident. Next, we'll hop in the pool at Solaire. No bathing suits allowed, of course, and meet Ronna's husband and hear from her grandkids about what their young lives were like as they, too, decided the nudist lifestyle was the right one for them. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Today we're talking about nudism, and we've been spending time with one family at Solaire Family Nudist Resort in Woodstock, Connecticut. In the last segment, you heard audio I recorded back in 2017 when I talked with Ronna Crozy in her home at the resort. She's been a member there for 17 years. After we talked, we hopped in her golf cart and headed to the community pool. By the way, before you get into the pool, you have to rinse off in the showers the unisex showers of course because why would the showers be separated by sex at a nudist resort it kind of blew my mind a little bit anyway i carefully hopped into the pool to keep my recording gear dry and skinny dipped with rana her grandsons jordan and max both in their 20s and her husband alvaro i asked max to describe what it was like when he was a teenager realizing that nudism would be well cool there was like a stigma where it's like kind of a it was a joke at first where it was just like i guess the insecurity of being in your own skin was maybe a, a little less accepted maybe at that point but um, I mean someone who feels really comfortable in their skin it doesn't feel out of the ordinary I mean the first five minutes are kind of like uh, but then once you you know everyone here is really nice really friendly no one's looking to look at you for what you have or what you don't have I mean it's just you're you and I think it's really cool it's Probably the most relaxed I've been in, uh, you know, anytime I come here, it's it's like, that's what it's all about. You just come here and you relax and you breathe and it's everything's just open. So it's really nice. When you were young, like teenager, did you have to keep this to yourself? Were there some people who totally got it? Were you totally stoked to tell people and like friends about it? Or were there like sort of ground rules about making sure that you kept it to yourself? What was that like? It was a little weird just because when you're a kid, everything, you know, you laugh at like a bunch of stuff that has to do with like naked people yeah and that and and, like silly stuff like that but you reach a certain point where you don't really like it doesn't matter anymore you don't really see like you see a person for like who they are not what they have like what max is saying for example for me i started out doing work around my grandma's cabin and we just came up here my dad and myself to help her you know move stuff around and tidy up some stuff and one day I was like, "Hey, Grandma, I'm gonna, I'm gonna participate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get naked. Is that cool?" And she was like, "Of course it is." And, uh, 
and I didn't turn back. So, you know, free spirit is completely okay with it. Well, to add on to what he was saying, I mean, you know, I know growing up being in a household where I saw my brothers naked all the time, like, you know, it was just one of those houses where, you know, it wasn't really taboo to like see other people. It wasn't like, Oh, you know, you know, blinders on for everything. I mean, growing up with three boys, you know, me and then my other two brothers, one of whom's not here today, you know, getting out of the shower, just like rough housing with each other. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like you, you came used to it. Like it's, it's not anything out of the normal. So. It was like a boys locker room. And then a little intro. Brothers brothers. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, if you've been in doing any like social sport and whatnot, you have locker rooms, you, you know, if you go to the gym, like it's the same thing. It's just, you know, subtract clothes out of the equation. And you know, this is what you have. Like looking around, I see um, a lot of white people. I see some young people. I see a kid, a lady who's gonna have a kid, <laughs> a future nudist. <laughs> what do you, when you think about the future, when you think about the future of this resort and the future of nudism in general, are you optimistic? Um, what does it look like? I, I feel optimistic for the future. It really depends though, again, and this ties into a level of you know maturity and whether you can really handle it is about getting rid of the negative connotation that you have with nudists all oh, these people are crazy like you know blah 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 it's just no it's these people want to live a little bit more material free and you know have fun with the minimalistic approach to it um i think in terms of how it continues it's really about whether or not people give it the chance i hadn't really wrapped my head around this until i came here it's one thing to have you know magazine uh, photoshopped all these skinny women all these jacked strong men right and that is one thing and that's a challenge but it never occurred to me that and this sounds so elementary but until I came here I didn't realize that literally every body is different and therefore it's impossible to compare yourself y your premise is wrong if you're comparing yourself anyway and, and part of that is the fact that people do wear clothes all the time. So if I see a woman and she's got like a nice button down shirt and a pencil skirt, I have my image of what I think is under there. And I assume what's under there is scar free and sag free because I don't see anything otherwise. She has clothes on. So the fact that we're just typically surrounded by people with clothes, not that there's anything wrong with that. You don't know what real bodies look like. And that's why you were saying that there's a lot of people who who are here who have worked in the healthcare field. You're used to seeing bodies just as they are, and you have a more realistic idea of what a body looks like and the fact that there's not one way. And I just it's such a such a simple thing, but I swear it wasn't until I came here that I realized, oh my God, everybody is different. You know, everybody has their own place. There's like you were saying, there's not one specific body shape, so it's like, well who's to say you don't belong? We try very hard to reach out to diverse populations. We are gay-friendly. We are obviously family-oriented. We accept people, again, for their very positive intentions and good attitudes and wanting to be here among us. So I think that's important to say. I never had an intention of going to a nudist camp, not because I thought it was something negative, but it was because I never thought about it. That important, that wasn't that important, that was very important for her, so I went. And five minutes later, I was in the swimming pool talking five to minutes. people, and then they they asked me, "How long have you been in nudist?" I said, "About ten minutes." <laughs>
No, and really, because be I, I was right into it. I mean, right away. And how long will you be a nudist? How long will you be a nudist? <laughs> oh, forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is, it is amazing how close you get to people when you are in a nudist camp. Versus at home, you may know a neighbor for 30 years. You may talk to them and see them and talk socially and everything. But they never get the closeness that you get here. I mean, you tell everything. Really. And they tell you everything also. And not just that, but they help you. Automatically, you need anything. And it's reciprocated. It goes both sides away. I mean, seriously, it's just incredible. It's kind of like the old-fashioned communities where everyone came together to help one another, and it's like that here. It's like a fraternity of sorts. I imagine that if you were to speak with other nudists at other resorts and camp areas, that you would get treated with the same niceties that you would here. That was Max and Jordan Crozy, grandsons of Ronna Crozy and her husband Alvaro, at Solaire Family Nudist Resort in Woodstock, Connecticut, for my visit back in 2017. I wanted to check in with the folks at the American Association for Nude Recreation about reopening plans during the pandemic. The AANR promotes the benefits of nude recreation and lobbies to protect the rights of nudists. Clubs like Solaire are AANR affiliated. Carolyn Hawkins is the director of club relations for AANR based in Florida. She told me about some of the precautions they're recommending resorts take as they reopen. We do encourage them to wear masks. At least I do. I mean, they really should wear masks. Some of the folks around here wear shields as well for protection. Um, And one thing about being at a nudist resort during this pandemic is we're all about exercise. We're about health. So being outside in the sun has been very beneficial for during this pandemic. Yeah, actually, I'd like to talk about that. When people think about going to a nudist resort and having their bodies exposed, in one way, it's kind of scary maybe because here we are like holding up in our homes and we're wearing masks and we're covering ourselves and protecting ourselves. But that's not necessarily the case, right? It might be really good to be getting out to a nudist resort right now. Absolutely. Now, do you think now that we're in this era of confusion and fear and also sort of, for some people, they're trying out new things that they've never tried before, do you expect nudist resorts to have an increase in attendance because of the coronavirus, or do you think it's still up for grabs? I'm glad you asked that question because we have actually seen membership grow during this pandemic. So it's been really amazing. Are you surprised at that? I guess I am a little bit. However, you know, people have been cooped up in their house for three months. So they're anxious to get out. They're anxious to try something new. I try to stay on top of the clubs to find out what they are doing um, and if they're open and what the restrictions are. Because many of our clubs are reopening, but they do have restrictions. Now that I think of it, the it's possible that people are being nude in their homes all the time. And now if they're lucky that they've had all this time to be nude in their homes for months, maybe they don't want to give it up. I think that's probably a good idea and probably makes sense to me. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) At least I was nude in my house the whole entire time. For real. Me too. Me too. And I don't, I really don't want to give it up. So if there's a way to keep that tradition going, I'm all for it. As long as I wear a mask. 
I absolutely, absolutely. I we encourage I encourage people to wear a hat and tennis shoes. You know, the sun gets really hot here in Florida. Lots of sunscreen. So a hat, tennis shoes, sunscreen, and a mask. Yeah, and always carry a towel. <laughs> I did. I did learn my first visit to Solaire Family Nudist Resort that the first rule of going to a nudist club is to bring a towel, and the second rule of going to a nudist club is to bring a towel. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it. I also noticed that July 11th, according to your website, is International Skinny Dip Day. Is that true? That's correct. And what happens on National Skin, International Skinny Dip Day is a lot of the clubs prior to this pandemic, we would always have uh, the clubs would choose a time maybe for everybody to jump in the pool or the lake at the same time. Uh, that has changed, I'm sure, this year. I haven't had any notification of what the clubs are doing. I do know that many of the clubs are having some sort of outdoor activity with social distancing. That was Carolyn Hawkins, the Director of Club Relations for the American Association for Nude Recreation. Solaire is following their guidelines, and they're open. This weekend is their red, white, and nude 4th of July weekend. Check them out at solairrl.com. Next, imagine it's pre-dawn in a large plaza in Mexico City. 18,000 people naked are being directed by a man with a PA system to pose for one powerful photograph. Meet Spencer Tunick, who's been doing large-scale group nude photographs all over the world for decades. And find out how he's still doing it during this pandemic. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Today we're talking about nudism. Photographer Spencer Tunick is famous for taking pictures of lots of nudes gathered together in public places, from New York City to Caracas to Amsterdam to the Republican National Convention in 2016 to the Dead Sea and the Sydney Opera House. He's photographed large groups of bodies of all shapes, sizes, and shades. He's the subject of three HBO documentaries, and he's been arrested five times for his work. I asked him to take me back to the beginning. How and why did he get into this kind of photography? In the early uh, 90s, I was very interested in uh, the works of Carolee Schneeman and Yayo Kusama in their performances with the nude body and with groups of people just fascinated me. So I would meet someone in a cafe or in a, uh, or in a bookstore, and then I would show them a previous work, like in, a, in my wallet, I would hold my contact sheets, which I would cut up into little rectangles and I would show people my work and I would say, would you like to pose for me? And then we would get up before sunrise on Saturdays or Sundays and then hit the streets of the city, often in the financial district. Why the financial district? Just the, the canyon-like feeling, like a urban Grand Canyon. <laughs> and I would work with people in the middle of the streets because the intervals of traffic was maybe, uh, you know, every minute. You, so you would have a minute to work. And that's a lot of time when you're in the middle of an avenue. 
And then a two or three years went by and I, and I had collected maybe a hundred names of people who wanted to pose for me on the streets. And I didn't have enough time or enough weekends to photograph everyone individually. And then I thought, why not just photograph everyone at once? And so I picked up the phone and called everyone and asked them, hey, meet me at the United Nations on a summer morning at 5 a.m. And uh, from that 100 people that I called, 28 people showed up. And I made my first group works in 1994. So skip ahead to 2007, and you've got 18,000 people in Mexico City. <laughs> and the photos of that are breathtaking. I, I Were you satisfied with how that went? And what was it about Mexico City that made you feel like, yeah, sure, 18,000 people are probably going to show up for this? Well, it took a few years to get permission to do work in Mexico, uh, in Mexico City, the the government had a change. And then when they, I was denied permission, then the organizer, the arts organizer, Maria Escalante, she, um, she contacted the press and then the press put pressure on the government. And finally, I was allowed to do the work after three years of trying. And all that press and all that pushback sort of got all the rebellious, youthful-minded, rebellious, people to uh, come out in Mexico City at 4 a.m. for a five in the morning photograph. And yeah, they just came and came and came and they kept on coming. In fact, 20,000 people showed up. And at some point I had to only accept 18,000. I had to stop to close the gates to the Zocalo because um, the sun was rising behind the presidential palace. And that's where the technical comes into the play where I'm going to get incredible lens flare and the, the photograph would be a different photograph as I had envisioned. So, and it probably wouldn't have been a good photograph um, because it would have just been light shining in like I'm sort of uh, a 1970s uh, film director. Um, that is tremendous pressure. Right. So, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I got the works under pressure. And sometimes under pressure, I forget to focus or hold the camera still. So I get camera shakes. So now I write on my hands with Sharpie, calm, focus, tight. Calm means, uh, you know, just to remain calm, take deep breaths. Focus means to concentrate, but also to actually focus. Literally focus this thing. <laughs> right. And Tight means, you know, keep it together, but it also literally means hold the camera tight so you don't get the shock, the shake from the shutter, which could make the image, the negative blurry. When you are directing these huge crowds, you have to have like a, a, a megaphone or a loudspeaker. How are you amplifying yourself? Well, to work with a thousand people, if they're near you, you can do that with a megaphone. But once you hit into four or five thousand people then you often need a sound system and the works succeed and fail often based on the sound system Ugh. americans especially and correct me if america is unexceptional in your experience but i feel like americans see the naked body and we think sex but your work isn't really about sex i don't think i think it's more about vulnerability and nature and power and beauty. Do you find that some people who show up 
to be in a nude group photo with you. Come into the experience with one idea and leave with another. Oh, sure. <clears throat> Many people think it'll, it'll be a, a lot more erotic or sexual than it actually ends up being. And I think the experience of getting into many different positions and having to move in coordination with your neighbor, your, the person next to you in a large group, they realize that they're actually making shapes and gestural uh, visual narrative. I think that they go away with a reconstructed vision of the body and sexuality. Of course, the idea of coming into it might be a very sensual idea. And maybe afterwards, your dreams will go into sensual situations. <laughs> but uh, really, the tactile act of getting naked and lying on pavement or even in nature is, it is ritualistic and spiritual, but it's quite cold and constructed as well. Do you find that that assumption of sensuality is an American thing? Or since you've traveled so much and done this in so many different countries, do you think it's a human thing? Oh, it's definitely a human thing. You know, uh, we're attracted to people based on the, the speed of undress and the, the mystery of the body. And then when it's out there displayed, all shapes, sizes, creeds, it, you kind of reconstruct the idea of sensuality and then the mind comes in and it's really a beautiful experience to be amongst thousands of people and go in between sensuality and, and just art making. What is a dream location? You have a magic wand anywhere, go. My dream location probably would be Washington, D.C., just because of all the political unrest in the United States and also coming up against the body nude in art. In most of the states in the United States, I could be arrested for what I do and the people posing for me could be arrested. So I always think, why not go to the source? And if I could do a work in DC that would set vibrations through the country to ease up their nudity laws for art and public space with the nude body. And so uh, that's my dream, DC. Do you have, dare I ask, a particular location in D.C. in mind? I met Justice Ruth Ginsburg, and she said, just don't do it in front of the Supreme Court. <laughs> so I, I think that was a subliminal message to do it in front of the Supreme Court. Obviously, obviously. Now let's talk about what you're doing right now during this pandemic. Stay apart together, which folks can see on your Instagram at Spencer Tunic. It's your first work that's directed entirely online. And you write, I, like many, have been pretty stifled and constrained by this crisis. My ability to make art has stopped, but I still felt the need to connect and create. At first, I could not motivate. But with this new series, using video conferencing came the ability to connect again with a global community. So for those who are driving right now listening to this and they can't check your photos out along with the show, and they're going to check it out later, give me some examples of how Stay Apart Together works. Most of the way we connect visually right now in the world is through Instagram, especially in times of quarantine. And Instagram has become the magazine of the world. I had always thought about doing a group work with video conferencing, but I never could do it alone. So I kind of put it on the back burner. But friends of mine from the Yucatan in Mexico contacted me and said, Spencer, do you think you'd ever want to do group works on video conferencing? Because we know you can't do them now. 
And I was like, hell yes, do you want to help? And they said, yeah, we'll, we'll be the production team behind it. So this project is a co combination of Mexicans and me, the American, uh, working on creating these wonderful works of sometimes 49 people at a time, sometimes 25 people at a time, sometimes nine people, and diptychs, two people at a time, nude, posing on video conferencing. And then when I get the correct pose, I'll do a screen grab, and that's the artwork. I thought I wanted to do the artwork taking a picture with an actual photograph of the screen, but then I thought it was really, really fun just doing that diagonal swipe, and then when you let go, you hear a click, just like a camera. So the screen grab became very interesting to me. And so we put out the word that I was doing these group works and people of all ages and sizes and, and nationalities and ethnicities signed up, and all of them are not nudists, by the way, just so you know, my work consists of 99.9% .9 everyday people that just want to be naked in art for this one time of the, in their lives and then go back to their life. <laughs> sure. Some of the images people will see when they go to at Spencer Tunic is, you know, people lying down on their couches. Often they have masks on, sometimes they don't. I love the ones where you line up two people in two separate shots doing things like watering the other's plant or touching each other's shoulder. And, and as you said, these people are from all over the world. And you're able to connect these bodies in ways that you never have before. So I wonder, do you think this project will change the way you think about your own work going forward post-COVID if such an era ever comes in our lifetime? Yes, I will put people in cages in front of the White <laughs> House. <laughs> uh, How do no. we volunteer for that one? <laughs> no. Um, so here's the thing, you know, people wanted to create during these times of quarantine, just being at home and sitting in front of Netflix and absorbing information probably got tiresome to some and people wanted to actually use their computer screens and their screens to create. And this collaborative project that I did called Stay Apart Together really got people together and intimately and touching upon the sensitivity and vulnerability of the nude body you know, they had to put aside their inhibitions, even inside their own homes and take part in this work that is going to be viewed on Instagram. It's just an amazing thing to get people together communicating on this level, on this nude level during these times of isolation. Because so often we are unsatisfied with our own bodies. There's always something, you know, I think to feel fully satisfied with your own body, at least from what I can tell, is not common. And we can talk for hours about why that is, but I wonder if being around so many naked bodies for so long makes you, if you are under the same condition as me and so many, of not being totally satisfied or being self-conscious about our bodies, if that's made you a little gentler on yourself. If I could um, sneak into a photo, you know, without press there, like have the same anonymity as the participants involved, I think I would uh, enjoy that process immensely. 
but I know that I'm uh, giving people this opportunity to sort of have this healing process who are uncomfortable with their bodies. And it does have this amazing effect of uh, equalizing your body next to a neighbor. And so I think my work does have a little help, gives a little bit of uh, self-confidence and uh, will help someone out who has body issues. So if they participate, it'll be a positive thing. Is that ongoing? Are people still invited to be a part of the work? Yep, people can still sign up uh, on my profile page on Instagram. There's an email where people can register. We're looking for a few more uh, nurses that want to participate, male, female, trans, non-binary. Just sign up. And no, I'm just uh, I'm honored to be uh, on your program. And I just feel that these are incredibly crazy times. And if, if anything, I've learned that these times when you're in isolation, what, how it energizes me is I get great ideas. So when I escape the isolation, I'll, you know, I'll be more, like you said, powerful, art powerful, and I'll be able to make a, a work that resonates in people's minds, possibly in DC one day. And so uh, I'm just doing a lot of thinking. Uh, I have a lot of hope. And I just want everyone to be safe and just know that we're all in this boat together. You know, you're naked in the shower. I'm naked on the streets. You know, (laughs) let's get through this. We're all naked under these clothes together. Yes. (laughs) Spencer Tunick, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. Go right now and check out Stay Apart Together on his Instagram at Spencer Tunick. That's T-U-N-I-C-K. And find out how you can be a part of it together at SpencerTunick.com. Audacious is produced by me and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. Find more information and subscribe to our show at ctpublic.org audacious. You can send me your thoughts and show ideas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion Wolf. And if nudism is a part of your life, I really want to hear your thoughts. My email is cwolf at ctpublic.org. And online, use the hashtag audaciouspublic. Thanks for listening.